I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. In this episode, I interview Austin and Sarah Bolvis, who are leaving soon, along with their two kids, Thaddeus and Rowan, to do missionary work in Berlin, Germany. Find out in this episode what gave them the idea to go overseas and how they prepared to preach the word in a foreign country. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. I hope you're planning on going to the CLIMB Small Church Leadership Conference in Dallas, Texas, November 30th through December 3rd, 2023. It's going to be an amazing time to learn, to grow, to build relationships with other like-minded people, kingdom-minded disciples from around the world who want to grow, who want to learn, and who want to be their best for God. So I hope to see you in Dallas. Austin and Sarah, welcome to the program. Hey. Hey, Rob. Thank you. This is so awesome because, Sarah, I know you from way back. Our families are deeply connected because your dad, Greg, and your mom. Okay, we are in the same campus ministry together at UC Berkeley. So, I mean, your family's royalty in my book, and especially because your dad studied the Bible with, with me. That's right. Greg Bromley. So I am always deeply grateful for Greg. And so our families have, you know, kept up with each other over the years in the Northwest. And it's there's some funny parallels because your parents went on mission to Japan for a period of time, I think a year or two. And then we followed. We we went there shortly after they went there. And so there's a connection there. And then I just remember really good times in the early part of the 2000s. My son David and James would come up and, and take part in campus, you know, um, teen activities. And I think you and David went to prom together or something like that. Wasn't that it? Yeah, I took him to my senior prom. Oh, that was awesome. Great, great, yeah. great memories. And so, so anyway, I'm always grateful. And so it's really amazing to me to see you grow up and you go on mission. I mean, this is really, really special. And then you married Austin. And so I look okay. forward to uh, kind of catching up with you guys in this program. How'd you guys become Christians? Well, as you just kind of explained, I grew up in the church. My parents met at, in the Berkeley campus ministry. Um, my dad was also a kingdom kid. My grandparents, Ron and Linda Brumley, were in the ministry my whole life. Um, my mom became a Christian in college. And so... I grew up in the church and kind of lived all over the world with my dad's job and then became a disciple in the teen ministry in the Seattle Church of Christ when I was 16, uh, 15 years ago now, and went through the teen ministry and then the campus ministry in Seattle, which is yeah. where I met Austin. And that's where we met. Yeah, I was a freshman at the University of Washington when I got reached out to. I had grown up with you know, Christian faith, but definitely no models of discipleship. 
So I studied the Bible my freshman year at like I said, University of Washington. And then over the summer before my sophomore year, really started diving in and realizing I needed to change things and got baptized August 19th, 2012. So it's 10 years ago now. Um, yeah, so we met in the campus ministry at, mm-hmm. at UW. Yeah. And that's how it all started. Okay, so you guys are close in age or? Yeah, I'm just a year and a half older yeah. than Austin, so. Okay, so you, were you like his Bible talk leader or something like that, Sarah? <laughs> we were in the same Bible talk. You were in the same Bible talk. She was my Bible talk leader. Was helping, it wasn't that scandalous. I was helping to lead the Bible talk, and we were just really great friends. Um, and then he started pursuing me. I didn't notice at first because I was just kind of oblivious. And he was the cool, really cute athlete in the campus ministry. So I didn't think that he would like me. And I thought she was ineligible for a while. (laughs) So to both of our chagrin, we realized we liked each other. Yes. That's awesome. Now, an athlete, did you play sports at UW? Yeah, I was on the crew team there. Oh my gosh. And that's a really great program. They are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How many years did you row? I rowed for two years. I got recruited to go there to row. And then at the end of two years, I actually did an internship over the summer at Camp Hope for Kids in Philadelphia. And over that summer, I kind of started to feel the itch for ministry and thinking, oh, man, maybe maybe the campus ministry back home really needs somebody to step up and be a leader because Alex Whitaker was taking on bigger roles in the church and our, our Bible talk leader had graduated. So I actually accepted an internship that fall of my junior year and we were, we had just started dating. And so we both were interns for the campus ministry and I stopped rowing so that I'd be able to do more in leading the campus. That's awesome. Okay. So you guys graduated from UW and then what have you guys been doing up until now? Like, yeah. Yeah. So that internship in college turned into a job offer with the Seattle church. So we graduated and ended up going into ministry. That wasn't the initial plan necessarily, but uh, she really didn't want to go into ministry. And I, <laughs> I ended up realizing I really, really did. Um, and so we stayed in Seattle for a bit and led kind of small campus ministry. It was like a community college ministry and a small yo pros and singles ministry. It was sort of one of those like everybody that isn't married or teens go together in the suburbs. So we led that ministry for a while and it was actually a ton of fun and we saw a lot of growth. Mm-hmm. And then after about two years of that, got asked to move back downtown Seattle and lead the, the large campus ministry down there. And that has a couple of different schools that are a part of it. Yeah. So did that for four years. four years. And then we just recently moved to Boston. It's kind of a stepping stone on our way to overseas missions. We paired up with the EMS and they brought us to Boston. And so for the last year and a half, we've been campus ministers in downtown Boston. Yeah. Okay. So let me add, ask some questions about that. So what year did you guys get married? 2015. 2015. When did you graduate from college? So I graduated in 2014 and actually worked in a secular job. I worked for the prosecutor's office, um, first in homicide and then in domestic violence. And then when Austin graduated in 2015, we got married and that's when we went into the full-time ministry together. 
Yeah. Okay, so you were in Seattle for four years or five years? We were in, in the Seattle ministry? For, in the ministry for six years. Okay. Six, yeah. yeah. We left for Boston in uh, 2021. Okay, so just a little over a year ago. Okay, so yeah. you, you went went to Boston. What When you say EMS, what's EMS? Oh, yeah, the European Mission Society. Okay. So, yeah. So, okay, Seattle's an incredible city. We lived there for a year, about a year and a half back in the day, early mm -hmm. 90s. I mean, that's a lot of people right there. What got you interested in foreign missions? What? How'd you get this itch to go overseas? Yeah. I mean, I had always kind of wanted to live overseas growing up. I remember just kind of realizing like, wait, there are people that live in countries all over the world and I don't know anything about them or their lives. And even just studying Spanish in high school, I was fascinated learning about different cultures and learning a different language. So I kind of always thought I'd love to live overseas. I'd love to throw myself into a new culture. And then studying the Bible and hearing all about our church being international and really trying to take the Great Commission seriously about making disciples of all nations, I was inspired kind of from the beginning of like, I, I want to help God's message go all around the world. Mm. So that was always sort of something I had wanted, and it was always vague until we really felt the call to go into ministry. And then I started realizing, wow, if we're going to be in ministry, then this isn't just a let me go live overseas and learn a new culture. This is like, I could actually be a part of making disciples of all nations. So it was sort of always something we wanted. At least I had always wanted and her, her story is a little bit more. She was actually overseas for a while as a kid, but mm -hmm. definitely from when I got baptized and we got into the ministry, it was clear to me, this would be something that, that I would love to do. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, my parents went over to Tokyo with Frank and Erica Kim, just as a young married couple, they weren't in the ministry. They just wanted to go on an adventure and help study the Bible with people. And that's where I was born. And then with my dad's job with Walmart International, my family lived in Indonesia and Germany when I was a kid. And so I grew up seeing the international parts of the kingdom in a really powerful way. And it was super impactful for my faith. And so even before I knew I wanted to go into the full-time ministry, I'd always thought how cool would it be to get to raise my kids in a foreign country and have them see that discipleship is the same, regardless of the culture or the language. And it's so cool that now we get to do that mm. in the mission field mm. as foreign missionaries getting to spread the gospel in such a tangible way. Wow. That is so awesome. Now, I didn't know you guys had gone to Germany. I knew I knew mm -hmm. your dad spent time in Bentonville, Arkansas, like which yes. is the capital of Walmart right there. And um, <laughs> that's awesome. So Indonesia, I and your you know your dad would come and visit in Tokyo doing his mm -hmm. security work for for Starbucks, I think he worked for, he's, I mean, he's worked for every fortune 500 company yes, under the sun, but anyway, I don't want to go off on that tangent. Sarah, Sarah, you said you didn't really want to go into the ministry. You were, looks like yeah. you're doing criminal justice, which I, as I remember, that's what your dad studied criminal justice. It was, yeah. Okay. So what, how did you change your heart? And you got this guy who's really chomping at the bit to do ministry. How did you get your heart in line to go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go after this. 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, when I graduated from college, I got kind of my dream job working as a domestic violence victims advocate. And I had always had a heart to help people, especially people who came from really broken backgrounds. And when we had done our internship for the campus ministry, I loved it. I loved studying the Bible with women, but with my kind of eyes fixed on the legal world, I thought this is how I'm going to change the world mm -hmm. when I got this job as a victim's advocate. But very quickly, I realized what all of these people needed. I was trying to help with the law was Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I came home every day, just heartbroken that I couldn't offer that to them. And so God really used this, what I thought was my, my dream being realized to kind of show me what he really wanted me to do with this deep desire to help people was to go into the full-time ministry. And during that year, right after Austin and I got engaged, the uh, lead evangelist couple here in Seattle had us over for dinner and they asked us, <laughs> would you guys ever consider going to the ministry? And I realized that a lot of the reasons I didn't want that was fear. Mm. And I remember having a conversation with Austin and he was so awesome, just listening to all of the different fears I had about ministry. But then he very gently discipled my heart and was like, but what about God? You know, what about the way that God could work through us? What about all of the times in the Bible? God says, do not be afraid. And I decided I was not going to let fear be the reason I wasn't going to do something for God. Mm. And so we went into the ministry. I quit my job with the prosecutor's office and I've honestly never looked back. Really? I can't imagine doing anything else, but it took a year of me being in a different role mm. for God to really mold my heart, to show me where he was actually leading right, me. Right. Well, it's interesting too, because I wouldn't say you come from kingdom royalty, but I mean, you definitely have deep roots in the Church of Christ and the international church with your your grandfather, Ron, yeah. and your grandmother, Linda. And I'm sorry about Ron passing. Thank you. Um, love, love, love both those guys so much. And then your dad, you know, Greg mm -hmm. and then Lisa. So it's definitely, you're, you're deep in it. I mean, we're, yeah. we're talking like... <laughs> <laughs> a ser serious background. How, yeah. how now? What what were your parents like? Did they say, "Oh yeah, you should do this"? Or and your your mom, your grandmother Linda, and, and I'm mm. sure that Ron was probably alive when you're starting to consider this at that at that point. Oh yeah, yeah. He was all over it. He was really really excited. Mm. Honestly, I think the fact that their legacy of being in the full-time ministry and what they had done with that was part of what inspired us even seeing a really healthy version of that where their kids had all grown up and become christians and married christians that was really appealing to me and so their example was a played a huge role in that and so they were so so fired up my grandmother still is so excited for us to go overseas. My parents have been incredible. Austin's parents mm -hmm. have been super supportive. So we feel like we are going over to Germany with the full support of our family. That's which awesome. means so much to us. Yeah. And Ron and Linda knew we were going into ministry before we did. Yeah. <laughs> they, did a, they did a marriage retreat 
a church in Texas. And the lead evangelist was like, hey, by the way, we're looking for a campus minister. Do you know anybody? And Rod and Linda told him, oh, yeah, call my granddaughter and her husband. They, <laughs> they Well, they're engaged and they're, they're going to go into the ministry. They want to go. <laughs> and I, coming from not the church culture that we have in our churches, I didn't right. even, that wasn't like a phrase that even made sense to me, like exactly. going to the ministry. Right. right. She was thinking, I, I don't, I don't want to go into the ministry. And then we get this phone call from this brother in Texas going, hey, I heard that you guys want to be campus ministers. Right. And I was on the phone with him like, actually, that kind of sounds cool. I hadn't really thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> who, who told you this? And who are you, by the way? Oh, my god! And so uh, that was what really started it for us yeah. was, was actually their kind of nudge. They had this dream for us yeah. that looking back now, it was totally the Holy Spirit just connecting dots. But Okay, so let's let's go back to this trip you you've got planned to go to berlin like you've got two kids it'd be easy for you just to stay where you're at and mm. how did you know like okay we need to go to berlin or mm. you know or even anywhere overseas rather than you could have just stayed parked right where you're at at the university of washington there's a whole bunch of work to be done there i mean as there are campuses across the country how do you make a decision like that where you go it's not between good and bad it's between i don't know it's not really a, it's not a, it's not a good or bad decision it's like it's good both ways but it's just different how do you how do you how do you wrestle through that decision making process and figure out what god's will was yeah yeah that's a great question I think I'm still continuing to see the pieces fall together <laughs> that give me more clarity. We we definitely knew after all this wrestling and different things that we wanted to be in the ministry. And, and so we sat down with Darren and Carla Overstreet, who at the time were leading the church in Seattle. And they said, hey, uh, we'd love you to stay here in the ministry and get trained. And, and I was like, I don't want to stay in Seattle. It's too rainy and gray. <laughs> I want to go somewhere else. <laughs> And they were the ones who kind of said like, well, hey, think about this question. Where could you do the most for God? That's a great question. And that question stuck with me. I remember we were doing like pre-marriage counseling and I went I went back to class and I was just like, I don't think I could do anything with my life that's more impactful for God than full-time ministry. And that's not true for everybody, I don't think. No. But I did feel really clearly that it was true for us. Mm. And that was being revealed to her, like she shared. Um, and so they encouraged, hey, if you want to do this, if you want to go somewhere, that's great. But stay here and get trained. Mm -hmm. Like, Don't just go flying off somewhere. <laughs> stay here and get trained where we can really build you up. We already know you. Your marriage can grow. You guys can learn what it means to lead a campus ministry. We can train you with the mindset of you want to go somewhere someday. So that was really from the beginning. And of course, there were opportunities to change our mind. And there were even conversations about, are you sure you don't want to change your mind and stay here? But we continued to feel this pull overseas. I remember going to an ICMC and Marty Wilkinson got up and he talked about, like, you know, if you if you have this desire, do you realize how rare you are? Right. Like if you if you can speak a foreign language or you have a desire to learn a foreign language, if you have a desire to live in a culture besides your own. You realize how rare you you are for wanting to do that and then again in my head i got i became a disciple sort of thinking this is what this church is all about right isn't right. this what everybody wants to do right and then being in the ministry and meeting some of my friends and even in the ministry we're like oh that's awesome 
but I don't want to move overseas. Like mm -hmm. I want right. to lead a church in my hometown or right. I want to lead the campus ministry where I went to school. That's an amazing dream. And I'm glad for those people that want to do that. And that's what God is calling them to. But I started to realize like, it's not a given. People aren't lining up right. to go help these churches overseas that they don't have the training we have. They don't have the resources. the resources. They don't have the people. I mean, they don't, they struggle even just to get people who want to be Bible talk leaders as college students, let alone graduate and go into the ministry. Right. Well, let's, so, let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, who's sending you and, and where are you getting your funding to go? Like mm -hmm. talk a little bit about the details of this. Yeah, we're going through, like I said, the EMS, uh, which is the European mission society. And it's in partnership with the Boston church. So when we left Seattle in 2021, we, we went to Boston because we knew from there we would get sent to Europe. We actually didn't know where we would go when we got to Boston, but we started getting discipled by Kevin and Melissa Miller, and they are leading the Boston church, but also on the board of the EMS. And so they have a really good idea of what's going on all around Europe. And slowly they were doing a lot behind the scenes to let God's will be revealed on where would be good for us. And ultimately the EMS kind of pitched to us Berlin. Mm -hmm. And so we prayed and fasted and went to Berlin and visited the church. And, and through all that, it was, you know, there were a couple of things that were very, very clear that that was the place for us to be. Like, but, um, like what? Yeah, it's mostly couple, Berlin and EMS. You say a couple of things made it clear. What, what were those things? I had a phone call with Kevin. This was a big one. I was really reluctant to go to Berlin initially. Um, I was nervous about it being gray and rainy, just like Seattle. Um, and I wasn't really sure why, but but Kevin was like, if you can't express why, then maybe you just need to go to God and, and really lay down your heart and make sure you're being humble. And so we had had a conversation about how being a missionary and being a campus minister is about finding the remnant. You know, like Paul talks about in Romans, that there's like a remnant of people. And and you're not going to save every single person, but we have to find those who really God has chosen and, and, and want to be saved. And so he we kind of get in a fight almost about why I'm being so stubborn about where I'm going to go in Europe or not going to go. And he goes, you just need to go be humble, go pray about it, and God will make it clear. So we have this remnant conversation. He kind of challenges me. I go off on a prayer walk. I'm walking through the streets of Austin. I'm right next to Fenway Park. And I see this guy walking towards me with a, a t-shirt that has like a, a, a rowing company on it, which is pretty niche, right? Um, and so I stop him. I'm like, oh, I should reach out to this guy. We start talking and he's got an accent. I'm like, well, where are you from? He goes, well, I'm from Germany. Wow. I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy to you, but I was literally just praying about if I should move my family to Berlin. So I'm curious, what, what is like the perception of Berlin and spirituality amongst your peers in Germany? Because mm. he wasn't from Berlin. And he goes, well, you know, when me and my friends all graduated high school, um, people know that like Berlin is really, there's no standard of living and there's no right or wrong. And so I cut him off and I went, oh, so they all wanted to go there. And he goes, no, none of them did mm. because we know that that's not right. And this guy like wasn't even open. I mean, he's not even religious, but he's like, we know that's not right. When you, mean, when you say, when you say standard of living, what do you, what do you mean by that? Like 
just a standard of morality. Oh, morality. A sense okay. of right and wrong. Um, I see. So it's it's just literally a wild place. Being like just yeah, hedonism and anarchy with, with within like the young people and just like what you can do. Just debauchery and Got it. revelry kind of thing. Um, and so that struck me. I was like, wow. You know, I pictured kind of Berlin as this. You know, at least within the the secular world in Berlin is kind of, is kind of this hedonistic capital of Europe. Mm. And here's this guy, an 18, 19 year old telling me like, my friends from Germany know that's wrong. But it just made me think about all the folks who did go there because they thought they wanted that. Mm. And now they're trapped mm-hmm. where they, they grew up in Berlin and couldn't get out. And now they're just stuck in that world where like the culture is telling them constantly hedonism is right. There's, there's no standard of morality and, I thought, well, that's the remnant me and Kevin talked about. And this was the humbling moment I needed to see that Berlin is totally where I need to go. And actually where I, I now, like in that moment, I was like, now I desperately want to go. Wow. It's kind of it was like a man of Macedonia type encounter. Oh, it was 100%. Yeah. Definitely. It was like a goosebumps God moment. <laughs> I, I called Sarah. I was like, I'm going to go somewhere and journal for a while. I'll be home in a few hours. It was, it was awesome. Okay. I just got to ask though, because... Okay, I know Seattle's rainy. I've lived there, and it's gray for sure. But Berlin, um, from my impression, it's you know overcast a lot, can be very gray and dreary. Um, not to mention, Seattle is super secular. I mean, post-Christian as in comparison to other parts of the United States. And then you're going to Europe. And Berlin, although it has a history of Christianity over, you know, back in the day, starting with Martin Luther, Martin Luther, and then, you know, anyway, I don't want to get into it, but I mean, those, that's, that's history. Now it's just super secular. So, I mean, you guys could have chosen like an easier path. Let's go to Indonesia. You know, <laughs> everyone wants to get baptized there. And I mean, you guys really chose a hard field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously no easy mission field, but. To your point, that was kind of one of the dots that clicked for me is God had been preparing us for this calling for a long time. You know, way back on the Overstreet's couch when they said, stay in Seattle and we'll prepare you to go somewhere. We realize now looking back, that was the Holy Spirit. Berlin and Seattle are so comparable. The Greens were in Seattle, actually, and Seattle sent them to Berlin. That was kind of their last missionary post before Scott had to come back and get treatment because he was sick. Um, and they always would talk about that. Berlin is so much like Seattle. And so now we're so grateful that we had all this time in Seattle. And it's so clear that God was using the similarities in these cities to prepare us for this place that he really wanted us to go. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's intense. Okay. So l- how, l- how do you, can you talk a little bit about the process? Like you, you were thinking about this in Seattle a lot. I think there are a lot of people who are like, that I, that I do talk to and then I, I'd really like to go overseas. Mm. But the problem is, is by default, it's much easier just to stay where you're at, to keep doing what you're doing. If you talk, if you seek advice from your church leader, that church leader nine times out of 10 is like, Hey, I need you here. It's yeah. not like they're like, yeah, go on take off. And we don't, we'll find a, 10 more people like you. It's not like that. I mean, to find talented workers, it's challenging. So mm-hmm. How did you steel yourself against 
I, I hate to say it, guilt trips or, you know, people saying, <laughs> oh, you shouldn't do that. It's going to mess up your kids. It's going to be tough on your kids. Or, you know, this is, how did you just kind of pull up the roots when it would have been much easier by default just to stay right where you're at? Yeah. Yeah. I think to your point, it definitely wasn't, if we had just kept going in the natural course and rolling with the flow, we would still be in Seattle. We would probably still be leading the campus here and that would have been fine. Yeah. But we could not ignore this intense longing in both of our hearts for something else, for something different. Um, and we kind of just decided we have to fight for this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Seattle's mission partner is the Middle East. And they said, we don't want to hire Americans. So we kind of knew, okay, if we want to do foreign missions, we're going to have to go somewhere else inside of the U.S. family of churches with a mission partner that does want to send young American missionaries. And we definitely had a lot of conversations with Darren and Carla. They were so supportive, but wanted us to stay here. They wanted to continue to be able to train us here in Seattle. But we just kind of kept being adamant of God is calling us to this. And to their honor and glory, they were so supportive and said, okay, start emailing people then. Here's what you should do. Mm. And so in the beginning of 2020, we sent out a bunch of emails to church leaders all over the world saying, this is something on our hearts. Do you have anything? And the only people to get back to us were the people within the European Mission Society, Doug Arthur, Valder Koha, Sean Wooten. And so we started talking with them and it kind of became clear that going to Boston first was going to be a great way for us to build relationships, get some connection, get a little bit more hands-on training for missionary work and then get launched into Europe. And so that's what we've done the last year and a half. But it definitely wasn't easy. I think especially as a young mom, I mean, we started this process when I was seven months pregnant with our first child. Wow. And now we're about to move to Germany with a two and a half year old and a five month old. Wow. And it is terrifying. (laughs) Definitely. And there's been so many times, honestly, where I have asked myself, why am I doing this? This is crazy. It would be so much easier to stay, to have stayed here in Seattle where both of our families are, or even now to stay in Boston. We have loved our time in Boston Mm -hmm. and it has felt way too short, but I think we just can't ignore Mm. this calling that we hear from God And all of the things, all of the doors that he's opened, all of the connections with the greens or me living in Germany as a kid, all of these little things that God has laid out to show this path so clearly to us. It's kind of honestly not really up to us. I just feel like we just have to faithfully walk out what God has so clearly laid before us and see what he does with it. Okay, so a lot of I've got a lot of follow ups there. First of all, I mean, it's how did you weren't you a little bit nervous that you're going to go to Boston and they're going to say, hey, you need to stay here for an additional three years and just get some extra training. I mean, it's like, how did you avoid that? I mean, how did you how did you stay on track and still go overseas? 
Yeah. I mean, the, the Boston church is amazing. And, and just for reference, Sarah kept saying here is Seattle. Our current church is Boston. Right. Yes. We're on vacation in Seattle. Got it. So just if anybody's getting confused, why we keep mixing that up. Right. Um, but on our way to Boston, it was we, we made it clear to them, we want to come to get trained to go overseas. And it was almost like they were the EMS and Boston and us were working together to try to find a great situation. Mm -hmm. And that partnership has continued to work together to find a great situation, not only for us in Boston, but now in Europe. And so from the moment we arrived in Boston, Kevin Miller and the whole staff was just talking about, okay, we got to get you ready. We want you to go. They have a reputation of sending young ministers off into Europe and they, they've continued to try to do that better with greater and greater success. And so really they've worked hard yeah. to get us there. Honestly, like it's sometimes I'm scratching my head at how much Kevin has done in his role as an EMS board member for us. Yeah. Cause he does so much, you know, just as a church leader as well. Um, and we threw ourselves into the campus ministry there to really try to make as big of an impact as we could while we were there. We didn't want it to just feel like, you know, a layover in life. Mm-hmm. And we definitely, we saw a lot of amazing things happen there. But um, what's really commendable that they didn't sideline you or divert you into something else. That's, that's impressive. And it's impressive that, that Darren and Carla directed you and gave you, you know, the initial steps to, to do that. So that, that shows a lot there. What did you do to get ready for the mission? You talked about campus ministry. You're there about a year, I guess. I mean, what were you doing specifically to get ready to go overseas? Yeah, so we got put in Boston, the downtown campus. And Boston, this this is kind of new. They tried something new since we arrived. Um, We were working with a staff of, well, eight. we were two of eight campus ministers in one region downtown. The campus ministry was like 60, 65 when this team took it over. And... It was really all about like, okay, let's just see how much we can grow this thing. So we've split it up into smaller ministries and really just tried to grow. And it's been amazing. Since we got to Boston, there's been 60 baptisms, 59 or 60 baptisms in that like year and a half from the 60 person campus ministry. Wow. um, Which has just been amazing. So one, I think it really helped us open our minds to what God can do and just see what faith is really capable of absolutely but also working with this team you know we had been really always just leading the ministry kind of on our own with a little bit of autonomy within this bigger church but to work with a team of ministers and then i was we were running kind of point between kevin who was discipling the campus ministry and all the other campus ministers so we were like equal but trying to manage a lot of the communication lines and a lot of the priorities with with the whole Boston church, with the downtown region that we were a part of, mm-hmm. even though we were kind of working in the region, but but a bit separate from it because there were so many of us. We were like our own little mini region in a way. And so the complexities of that, if anybody, you know, is a church leader, you're going to hear that and scratch your head because that's it is complicated. But it was such great practice for us. Yeah. And the Boston church put us in that role on purpose because the Berlin church and a lot of the European churches are led largely by these these teams like leadership teams yeah and that's been something that has continued to be a mark of success for folks who go overseas is are you able to integrate yourself into the leadership team 
and win them over and be able to kind of work with them in a way that's productive. And so really the last year and a half has been us learning that, which was entirely new, but we've seen it obviously be abundantly fruitful. Right. And we're so grateful for the team we had in Boston because I mean, those are some of our best friends now and we have memories that we'll just cherish forever Mm -hmm. from being with them in Boston. So, okay. So you're working in a team leading a small region. Is that what I hear you saying? (laughs) See, that's how complicated it is. No, we are in the downtown region of the Boston church, uh, which is, you know, it's a normal region of a church. It's got pros, it's got marrieds, teens, campus, but in the downtown region, there's the campus ministry and that campus ministry has eight campus ministers. Okay. And so we were on that team of eight campus ministers in the downtown region of the Boston church. And the downtown region is led by uh, Stuart and Ashley Maines, but we were actually, the campus group was discipled directly by Kevin and Melissa Miller. So it was like, I see. we were in the region, but, Got but it. being discipled by the, the head lead evangelist was ministry leader. So we were not a separate region, but okay that's that i think that's good enough so (laughs) you're heading out i want to go back to you sarah because i mean that's really gutsy you've got you got little kids you're still going um i just talked to amanda henderson in rio de janeiro she's got little kids i mean i was like really inspired um this used to happen with more frequency but it's really rare now to go with little kids. I mean, Pam, my, my wife, Pam, David was like, gosh, six weeks old when we went to Tokyo. I mean, it was, but it's, it's, it's definitely the exception. So it's really inspiring. What, how have you just prepared mentally to, to take these little kids and, and just uproot? A lot of prayer. Definitely. I think a lot a vulnerability with the women in my life, just expressing my fear. You know, there's so many different things that can come into my head of, is this the right decision for them? How is our toddler going to adapt to all of a sudden not being able to understand anybody? You know, we're taking them away from so much stability and familiarity but I think I've just kept coming back to, I have to trust that God is, if God is calling us to this, God is calling our whole family to this. Right, right. And if he wants to use us in this way, I need to trust that he's going to take care of our kids and that this is going to be a really powerful part of their faith journey. Right. Because obviously our number one priority, our biggest prayer in life is that both of our children will become disciples. And so I think again, going back to, you know, I had to quiet my fears and make that, um, put those aside to go into the full-time ministry. I've really had to do that in order to be faithful and confident moving our young family to Germany. Right. It's, it's, it's so cool. I mean, I'm inspired (laughs) because I think this is probably the bottleneck or the barrier or the sticking point for many, many couples who would love to go overseas. They'd love to have an adventure. Maybe the husband is like dying to go, but there's this fear like, but what about the kids? And I think that 
it's so easy to be kid-centered and not Christ-centered. It's like, okay, every, it's all about the kids. We can't, we can't upset our kids. We can't, we, you know, they, they got to be in bed by 7, 7 p.m. You know, that's, we can't do this. It's going to mess up their schedule. And I think it's a great example for people. And I think, what would you, I mean, is there anything that, if you could d- talk directly to a mom who's considering yeah. it, and thinking like, I'd like to, but it's really scares me. What would you tell her? Mm. You know, when my brother and I were little and my parents took us over to Indonesia, (laughs) there was so much fear, especially in my mom's heart um, of what that was going to be like for us. But all I remember was how much fun we had and how joyful and faithful my parents were Mm. and so i think translating that you know to my kids especially when they're little as a parent you are their home and they're gonna follow you and feel safe with you and feel confident with you wherever you lead them if you're feeling safe and confident and at peace with god Mm. And I think that's something I really had to lean into. That's not my natural inclination, but I think I, I'm really faithful that if I follow where God is leading me and I bring my kids along with me, they're going to just think this is the coolest adventure ever. And it's going to build so much depth in our family, but they're going to get to see us do something uncomfortable and sacrificial for God Hmm. while also seeing us live out something that we're so excited about and passionate about. I mean, I think there's not really anything better you can do for your kids, (laughs) honestly. Oh, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you. I just feel like, I I mean, I I have such a strong conviction about this. Like if you as parents are engaged, you're passionate, you're fired up about God, that can't help but seep into the, totally. your, your family, your kids, they, they sense it. They can tell when their dad's checked out, when their, when their dad or their mom are just kind of going through the motions and the dad is just chasing the, you know, the money or whatever, but they can also sense it when the parents are like, this is exciting. <laughs> you know, it's not easy. doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's easy, but it's, it's thrilling and it's meaningful. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, I've never regretted the decisions we've made. We've moved all over the place overseas domestically planning church. I just go, it's, it's the right move. I just really, really commend you for what you're doing, Sarah. I think it's, it's really inspiring. Okay. So let's get down to nuts and bolts here. What steps does a person need to take if they feel like there's something inside, they maybe not even know where they want to go, but I know I've talked to people and they're like, we want to go overseas. We don't know where to go. They're in their thirties. They've got kids. Where do you start? What do you do? Just talk, talk me through, give me, give me a five-step plan or a three-step plan or whatever. Help. Give me some bullet points here. Yeah. Well, I think starting how we started is great. Just reaching out to people who, you know, know what the needs are. You know, we actually, you you mentioned Indonesia. We sent an email to uh, Harlem in Indonesia. We sent an email to Sean Wooten because we heard about his revive program we sent an email to, to Doug Arthur because I knew he was working with the EMS. And so I think just reaching out to these people and trying to figure out where the needs are. Yeah. Um, 
And then once that happens, then there's kind of this moment of they get back to you and go, oh yeah, we do have a need and you'd be great. <laughs> and so then it gets to the hard work of like, is this is an exciting thing that we talked about or are we actually going to move forward and right. face and deal with the fear and, and actually try to make this happen? Yeah. So I think if you don't, know, you get those connections and you start hearing what the needs really are and having honest, you know, conversations about could I go into this role? I know Sean Wooten, I think you mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast that you have you have some friends or some folks who are going on to his Revive program. I mean, he's he's constantly trying to get people to fill different roles. Right. And there are some churches and there are some programs that are doing this. You know, Boston is really wanting to send a lot of missionaries over the next 10 years into Europe. We want to see Europe be completely revived um we want to see the churches in europe be filled with trained leadership and sean is trying to do that in eastern europe so and and i know that that, that's just our circle but there's there's so many people doing this elsewhere okay so first just just kind of like spread seed communicate your ambition and now i'm assuming that you you also have to make sure that your husband or your wife is on the same page as you first before you before you step into this you guys both decide, okay, we both want to go, right? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. yes. A yeah. lot of communication, prayer together. That was super, super important for us to make sure we were in lockstep the whole way. And one of us wasn't running ahead of the other one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually did a whole lesson kind of on this at the vision conference. So people could go back and listen to it, but that was specifically for college students or folks who are young and wanting to do this. We're so glad now that we didn't just go off and fly overseas somewhere when we were brand new, married, right. green in the ministry. We're so glad that we had our first conversations with the local church we were in right. and, and voiced these ambitions, but then stayed. Not only to give back to the church that had you know, given us everything, but to learn these skills, develop. We got appointed there. But even after all that time, we did feel, no, this calling is still on our heart. And so then we did the step of emailing out. So I guess depending on who the audience is listening, you know, maybe the next step really is just talking to your campus minister and saying, Hey, I think I might want to go into the ministry. I think I might want to go overseas. Um, okay. If you've been doing that for a while, then maybe it's talking to your evangelist going, I think I might want to start emailing some mission societies. You know, who's our mission partner? What are their needs? And those are the conversations that might be needed. okay. But what about the money? Like, where do you get the <laughs> money? How do you get the funding to go? Yeah, we're blessed again with the European Mission Society. They they have churches that fund them. Um, there's lots that fund them. Two of the bigger ones are Chicago and Boston, which is why we came to Boston because they they said, well, if we're going to fund this, then we want to get our hands involved in training them to make sure it's going to be successful. Yeah. Um, so we are blessed. We didn't have to do the really grassroots call around, ask for money. You didn't have to do but the there are mission societies that cover basically the whole globe. Yeah. Um, and there's an app, the All Nations app, and it, it has information about each of these mission societies and their websites and how to get connected with them. So that would be a great thing to download and, and check out and look at what's going on all over the world and finding out kind of who you could get connected to if you had citizenship to this country or you have family here, you speak this language and you're interested what the missions opportunities are there. That app can actually put you in connection. Okay. All the all nations app. Where, where would a person find that? 
It's on the it's on the App Store, Apple and Google Play. Um, okay. I don't have my phone right on me, okay. but I'm pretty certain it's the All Nations app. Okay. Yeah. I think yeah. I think Doug was talking about it in Orlando, wasn't he? Wasn't he mentioning yes. that? Okay. Got yeah. It. All Nations. That's okay. It. So I want to there's a question I forgot to ask. What are you guys doing when you get to Berlin? Are you guys leading a Bible talk? Are you guys just going to be doing nothing and kind of <laughs> assimilating yourself into the culture? Are you leading the church? Like what, what role are you stepping into? So initially we are going to be focusing on the younger ministries within the church, specifically the campus and the young professionals and young marrieds. But we will be working alongside the leadership team, which is primarily made up of lay leaders who are just incredible, faithful disciples who have been in the Berlin Church for many, many years. We'll be working alongside of them to kind of learn the culture of the church. And the vision is that in the next year or two, we would take over leadership of that group and kind of start overseeing leadership of the whole church. So we're kind of baby stepping our way to that. But initially we're going to come in and they want us to be able to just focus on the ministries that we're familiar with, because although the Berlin church is fairly significant for a small church, it's about 130 disciples. Yeah. The campus and the, the young professionals ministries are very, very small. And so there's a ton of kind of untapped harvest there that they want us to be able to come and just walk alongside these really incredible faithful young christians to help them get some momentum and build up those ministries okay so are you going to be so what what i hear you saying is you, you're going to start with a ministry you've been familiar with and then just see how it goes develop relationships with the other leaders and then with the church and then over time the plan is if all goes well and there's a good fit, you're going to step up to be the leader of the church in the future. Yeah. There's no yeah, timeline. There's no timeline, but that's, that's kind of the plan. They're looking yeah. for a full-time leader. Okay. That's, that's really exciting. 130 people there. Um, you're going to be going to, to German school when you're there. Like how are you preparing language wise? Yeah. I mean, right now we're just on Duolingo and stuff like that. But um, when we get there, we're going to be a part of our job. We'll be going to class, learning German, so that's kind of a a big uh, like objective in the first year is learning as much as we can. That's exciting. I studied yeah. I studied German in high school and I wanted to go when I was at Berkeley. I was planning on going for a one year exchange to Germany. Oh, and wow. I'd gone to I was going to I can't remember the exchange society. Um I, totally escapes me, but I, I became a Christian and then my plans changed, you know, somewhat. And, but I wanted to go on the mission team to Munich. There was a mission team at that time and was going to meetings. But anyway, I don't know. I can't remember how I got sidetracked from that, but it ended up not going, but that's so awesome. You guys are going. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, at that point, if I could just say like, I mean, there are so many disciples in the States who took German in high school yeah. or took Spanish or took right. Japanese like if that's you, seriously, reach out to yeah. some of these leaders of these churches, these places. They they need people to come in who are just faithful and maybe want to spend a year studying abroad. Like, if you speak German, call me. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> Rob, if you want to come, man, we'll take you to Berlin. Oh, I would go. love that. If a person wanted to reach you, how would they get a hold of you? 
Yeah, my my email is just austinvolves at gmail.com. A-U-S-T-E-N-B-O-L-V-E-S. Um, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Um, Sarah, yeah. Sarah, if someone wanted to talk to you about about this decision, they're thinking about how would how would they reach you? Same email would be great. It's just sarah.bolvis at gmail.com. S-A-R-A dot B-O-L-V-E-S at Gmail. Okay, so there's no H. It's just S-A-R-A. No H. Okay, good, good to know. (laughs) Okay. So this, I mean, this is so thrilling what you guys are doing. There's actually a couple in our church that wants to go and work self-supporting in Frankfurt. Oh, wow. And so they're hoping to go in this next year, a really young couple, super talented, and, and they're planning on getting a job over there and going. So I think that's what's exciting is like, regardless of your age, I mean, talking to you guys, I go, man, I want to go overseas. <laughs> I mean, just, I'm just sitting, <laughs> I'm sitting here kind of processing on the side, like, where can I go? That'd be really exciting. I mean, oh, I mean, it's, it's awesome. The thing that really impresses me about you guys is it's just not easy mm-hmm. to, make a decision to just uproot. I mean, you're in a very comfortable situation. You're in a position of influence, but then just to change everything and go to a situation where you don't speak the language, you're not familiar with the, with the culture, you're in a very vulnerable situation. And then especially with kids, I go, man, you guys have got guts, but I go, (laughs) that must fire up God so much. Mm -hmm. You know, I just go, that's, that's fantastic. So all the best to you guys in that one, but let me, let me ask this final question. What advice would you give to a person who wants to make this life count? Mm. I want to hear from both of you guys. Yeah, I know you end every show with this. So I was thinking about it. I do think that that question that I voiced earlier of how can, how can you live a life to have the most impact for God? And that's the question you're asking is, is how can they, but, I think too few people actually ask that question mm. and then walk through with what the answer is. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Like so many folks, they, they think, I think it would be this, but, but I got to make money or, right, or right. the kids or, but my parents might not. It, there's so many reasons to not. And that's what Jesus challenges his disciples yeah. to consider. You know, that That's, that's Luke 14 counting the cost is, you gotta, you gotta hate your own life, even right. if you want to be a disciple. And so, I think having that question in your mind, trying to answer it, and then honestly, just the faith and commitment to Jesus. When you figure out what the answer is, are you willing to do it? Right. That's that's <laughs> been essential for us. That's something we've come back to so many times. Um, we've had so many advisors along the way to make sure we're not just being crazy, but actually people who have helped us to guide and shape that. So it's not just, you know, in my own head, here's what sounds fun, but no, no, really feeling like it's a calling and knowing that. But I think, yeah, just being willing to answer that question. And then if God reveals the answer, letting Jesus be Lord Mm. and going with it. Amen. Yeah. And I think when I was wrestling, whether or not to go to law school or go into the ministry, I had a conversation with Lynn Ottenwaller um, at Camp Hope for Kids. And she asked me, what sets your soul on fire? Mm. 
And immediately what came to my mind was studying the Bible with women and watching the Bible change their life. And she said, well, then you should probably do something where you get to do that a lot. Right. And I kept thinking about that. And, you know, I think it's something different for every single person. I think God needs disciples in every area of human life. Right which is why he's made us all so different, which is why he's given us all such different gifts and talents and interests. But I really believe, I mean, it's similar to what Austin said, but I think we have to decide what really sets my soul on fire, not just what do I like to do, what's fun for me, what's comfortable for me, what burns within me to make me feel like I can't help but do this in service to God's kingdom. Wow. And when you figure out what that is, then go after it and don't let anything hold you back from it, because that's how you're going to be used most powerfully to build up God's kingdom, whatever your job is or realm of life that you're in. Right. Guys, that's some pretty awesome advice there. I mean, I totally agree with you, Austin. I feel like, like, first of all, we have dreams, we have desires. Oh, that'd be cool to go overseas. But it's the ability to execute, to actually put wheels on it, to actually set it in motion. That's what's scary. And yeah. I'm sure there were some times when you sent out the emails, you're like, oh, did did we just do that? Oh, my <laughs> gosh. And then people saying, hey, we'd like you to come. Like, all of a sudden, it's you're hearing that song, that old gospel song, No Turning Back. No Turning, no turning Back. back. <laughs> I mean, that's that's when it gets scary. It's like all of a sudden you realize you've set something in motion that it's not going to be easy to, to stop. And it's so easy for people just to get as close as they can to that point without really committing anything to it. And so that's awesome advice. And Sarah, I what I hear you saying is what what a great simple question what sets your soul on fire? And then you should be doing something that where you can do that regularly. I go, that is so simple and yet so powerful. It just removes the murkiness, the haziness. And, and, you know, it just all of a sudden, I I feel the same way, studying the Bible with people, changing people's lives. That's why I went into the ministry and that's why I stay in the ministry. So anyway, I could keep talking, but I'm so excited for you guys. And I'm so inspired by what you're doing. And I hope thousands of others follow in your footsteps. I hope, you know, it's my dream. I'd love to see a million people in our family of churches by 2050, but it it starts, it starts with people like you just going, okay, we're not going to choose what's comfortable. We're going to choose what's challenging. We're going to choose what's exciting. We're going to try to advance God's kingdom. So I'm going to just pray every blessing that I can on your heads that everything you do just turns to gold. So thank you so much for coming on the program. Thank you. Yeah, so thanks so much for having us, man. We're so grateful. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd like to ask your help. First, hit the subscribe button. Secondly, post the episode and its link on your favorite social media site and let your friends know about the program. Thirdly, read and review one of my books, How to Plant and Grow a Church, or Courage, How to Make This Life Count. You can find both of these on Amazon.com. Finally, Email me if you have any life advice you'd like me to address or if you have a topic or person you'd like to hear on the program because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. 
Have a great day and make this life count.